NBC5 investigates viral videos showing people how to use this $200 device that can unlock cars, secured gates, even doors to private buildings. Amazon just banned these cloning devices from its website. It can do a lot for 200 bucks. Well, we talked to security experts. And so naturally, I just had to buy one. <laughs> you see a, a, a news broadcast saying there is a, a device that is no longer legal. Uh, so naturally, you had to pick one up. Well, it's not illegal. It's just that's that's a, true. There's a discussion going on around whether it's going to remain legal, which means that I had, mm. to, had to get one before that discussion elevates into law. Sure. You wanted to get one while the getting is good. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. I remember when I first heard about this, it was with murmurs that the Flipper Zero uh, might not be long for this world. And I, too, wanted to buy one. So I'm very excited you did. And we make a podcast. So the best way you could possibly learn about it is probably interviewing someone for this show. So when I got it, I was like, what is this thing? How does it work? How do I use it? Right. So I did what everybody does. And I went to YouTube. One-stop shop. Yeah. And what did I find on YouTube? What did you find on YouTube? I found lots of content regarding the Flipper Zero, but typically one large YouTuber the Talking Sasquatch, or Talking Sasquatch, or Sass, as I like to call him. And he makes predominantly <laughs> Flipper Zero content and seems to be the biggest channel. So I did what any sane podcaster would do. Instead of watching all of his content, I invited him on the show <laughs> to explain it all to me in person. <laughs> It really is like the luxury of hosting a podcast, the shortest distance between not knowing something and knowing something. Would you please just come on my show and explain <laughs> it to me? Exactly. So today we're joined by the Talking Sasquatch and we're going to go through the Flipper Zero and all the questions that I had about it, which I hope you find interesting. It's a bit more of a technical episode today, and if, <laughs> <laughs> as Jordan can attest to. If that's not for you, that's fine. I, I, I hope you enjoy some of the other content, but uh, stick around. It was a pretty interesting chat. Yeah, it's a technical conversation, but it's also a fascinating deep dive into both what you can do with this device, where it came from, this kind of story of all these different hacker tools being brought together into like kind of more of a gadget, something between a gadget and a platform, um, and then what it means to share information on the internet about a device that has kind of a little bit of like a reputation behind it, what it means to share stuff and, and to have to navigate is this okay for me to be putting out there in the world? Is this useful information or is this like hacker information? It is a fascinating conversation and Talking Sasquatch was uh, great to chat with. So thanks thanks for coming on the show. You know, we really appreciate you making the time, making the time to come on and enlighten me notably, but also, <laughs> you know, vicariously enlighten our listeners. So thanks for having me. So the... Uh, I bought one of these Flipper Zeros. I read an article that said that they might potentially get banned. And then that, of course, triggered in me that burning need to immediately add to cart and buy one. <laughs> so I bought one. I really like hadn't done any research into them. I just knew that they were like these cool little hacking utilities. I won't call it a toy because it's not a toy. And uh, I was like, what does this thing even do? How do I use this thing? And immediately found your content and was like, you know what? I'm just going to fire this 
Sasquatch a message and see if he wants to come on the show and just have a chat about these things because you know considerably more than I probably ever will about this device. So I just thought it'd be great to have you on. Well, yeah, I definitely uh, know how to do a few things at this point. Um, and <laughs> it's interesting, too, because it's always evolving, right? Like every week, it seems there's a new app that comes out is a new mm. something like there's a paradigm shift. And like, it's just really, really weird. Um, and I know all sorts of tech is like that, mm -hmm. where literally things go from like 50 miles an hour to 100 miles an hour, like just because one person shows up. Uh, sure. But there's always some cool stuff to do. It's been really good for a flipper for me because, uh, you know, there's always content there. There's always, you know, evolving situations and stuff. Totally, totally. So the uh, just so everybody knows, uh, our guest this week, Talking Sasquatch, has a, a great YouTube channel that talks considerably about this device as well as other devices I see, as I think your most recent video is is in regards to a, um, a, a Wi-Fi device that is not a flipper-based one. But the, um, yeah, I, I think a great place to start is, you know, kind of what is it? You know, what is this thing? It's very odd looking, has a weird shape. What is it and where did it come <laughs> from? So like, I don't know if you, if you know where it's from, I assume by some of the Russian lettering on the soft case that I got for it, that it might be from Russia, but. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, the, the flipper team is, I think Russian and Ukrainian, um, something like that. Uh, the logistics of all that I'm not particularly well versed on, but mm -hmm. obviously it was in Kickstarter for a few years and it's one of those things that people were starting to question, was well, this thing ever going to actually exist? But yeah, it's, it's kind of billed as a cybersecurity toy um, for a number of reasons. One, I mean, it's fun. You know, you've got little animations and things <laughs> like that on it. So it's got like the very most basic virtual pet like mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. kind of functionality but underneath it is a pretty okay swiss army knife of um uh, cybersec tools and, and and kind of especially for penetrating uh, penetration testing uh it's got some pretty decent functionality now it's not the best at doing virtually anything but the fact that one small thing the size of you know a couple lighters uh mm -hmm. you can do a whole bunch of cool stuff because like the most of my backgrounds in in software side of the hacking thing, I never really got into the hardware side. A little bit of phone freaking back in the day, but mostly software side. And the gist that I've gotten, aside from just playing an endless amount of Snake on it, which I have been doing and I've done pretty well at, is uh, is that this <laughs> is kind of a multi, you know, functional platform to build out hardware hacking things. It has a bunch of built-in functionality, like a bunch of different radio receivers and transmitters, as well as infrared receivers and transmitters. NFC receivers and transmitters and just kind of, it seems like it's like an extensible platform. Would you kind of agree with that? Absolutely. And what's really interesting being from the software side is that people are still kind of unlocking different features or different, you know, different things that you can do with the flipper just through the software. Um, mm. Specifically the BLE spam, mm. uh, the, people finally kind of figured out that they were able to emulate these BLE packets and now they're using them to kind of attack cell phones and things like that. Um, and it's really interesting because that functionality obviously was there since day one, but mm. the, 
the idea of, of doing it with a flipper and, and stuff like that kind of just recently came out. And that's really interesting to see things like that because, yeah, with GPIO, uh, you can make almost anything for flipper. I mean, we've seen obviously Wi-Fi boards, but now we have GPS. There are range extenders, antennas, boosters, all sorts of cool stuff. I just want to, I just want to rewind a hair there and talk about some of, uh, some of those, uh, acronyms, BLE. So like the, is Bluetooth low energy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Bluetooth low energy. So this thing can, this thing can emit Bluetooth low energy signals, which people have then figured out how to spam them at devices, essentially causing the devices to lock. Correct. There's a few of them. So the first one is basically a pairing spam. So you can just throw like a bunch of headphones, try to pair with your phone over and over again. And since there are so many different headphones, all of those headphones, like on an iPhone, anytime you pair in like a JBL um, or a Jabra or anything like that, it shows up as the actual device. Yeah, Yeah. All of those devices are mapped to like an image of it. So there is a little bit of a fail safe, so you can't take the same um, device and try to pair it over and over and over again, but you can try to pair different devices. So what they figured out is they, yeah, all you have to do is take a uh, all through the list of the devices and keep sending it to the phone over and over again, and effectively, you won't be able to really use the phone. There is another attack vector that they figured out, which effectively starts an audio device or something. I don't remember the exact logistics of it, but... It effectively starts what I believe is an audio device, and it will spike the GP or the CPU to one hundred percent. And in doing that, it makes it so that the temperature control sensor or temperature control service won't run. And if that doesn't run, then the kernel is not getting temperature information from the CPU, and then it does kernel panic, locks up, shuts down. Weird, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just one of those things that I think somebody did by accident at some point in time, and they crashed their phone trying to figure out what else they can do with it. And they're like, wait a minute, does this work for you? Your phone too? Yeah, wait, it works on your phone too? And then all of a sudden, I'm making a video about it. So, So Sure, crash your own device and realize there's a vulnerability out there. (laughs) Yeah. The uh, then then the next I just want to, the next kind of acronym you popped out there was GPIO, which is the general purpose input output pins, right? So there's 18 little holes on the top of this thing that you can essentially clip circuit boards into it to the best of my knowledge. Correct me if I'm wrong on this. Nope. That's absolutely of, correct. Yeah. And it, it delivers DC current to them so they can be powered boards. It, it has kind of, it's kind of like, i actually believe when I ordered it, I ordered prototype boards, which are just blank circuit boards that are meant for you to build whatever you would like clip it in and write the code to make it work. Yep. You've built a few of these things, haven't you? You've built some of these boards yourself? Um, yeah. So one of the things that I did when I first started off just messing with Flipper was um, I didn't buy the official Wi-Fi board, didn't know what it did, uh, so I didn't really waste any money or time on it. Mm. So I didn't, I didn't get one of those. And then I had seen... I can't remember who was doing it at the time, but they were just hooking up a ESP32 because, um, and that's just a little, uh, basically a Wi-Fi board. Mm-hmm. And what's cool about that is only four wires to it. So you can have a, um, a set of DuPont wires, plug in four wires, and you can flash this thing into a little Wi-Fi board using uh, the Marauder firmware by Just Call Me Coco. Um, mm. 
so yeah, that was the first thing that I ever did. And I'm like, oh, this is really cool. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you could just use it with the prototyping boards or anything like that. Now, I am not a hardware person per se, uh. as in like, I've always kind of liked it. Like I know how to solder and things like that, but um, I'm a bicycle mechanic by trade. <laughs> I mean, I've done that for like All 20 right. some years at this point. Uh-huh. So and over the years, I've done some things here and there, but yeah, I never really did any of this stuff professionally. And that's one of the things that's cool about Flipper is because it brings a lot of people that may not be in either cybersecurity or technology or any of this stuff. Um, and it kind of gives them a, a reason to maybe get in there. Once you start messing with stuff, you can get more and more complicated because after I made that first board with the four wires... I decided that I wanted to make a multi-board. So I wanted to have the Wi-Fi, but I also wanted to have NRF24 on it, which is, uh, that was what you use for trying to take control over wireless mice and keyboards on a 2.4 gigahertz um, like frequency. So I wanted to add one of those to there as well. That's another seven wires. And at the same time, somebody had showed me a picture of a uh, Helltech um, ESP32 with an OLED screen on it. And I'm like, you know what? I want to try to put my logo on this thing. And <laughs> I didn't even have a logo. I was, I mean, I my my Discord name was Talking Sasquatch because this is the name I've used forever, literally forever. Um, so, yeah, I uh, I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to put a Sasquatch on it. So um, I spent a lo awful lot of time and energy figuring that out because uh, me and Arduino IDE and me are not best friends. Mm -hmm. um, the Helltech board itself is super proprietary. So all of their like commands and stuff are like their own so you can't it was it was not easy to do i ended up spending a lot of time um begging people for help on the arduino discord um but eventually we got it going but yeah so that was like another board that i made and i just kind of kept going from there slightly more intricate every time mm. so do having something like the flipper was really a catalyst that allowed me to try to do some things that i never would have tried before and starting off small and then working your way up it's kind of a good way to, again, that's a great way to learn how to do anything. So, so, so what you're saying is this is a gateway drug. <laughs> it really is. It really <laughs> is though. Um, if you ask anybody who really got into it, like it, it really is, especially, I mean, cause you can go that from there. Then you, I started messing with firmware and actually the, one of the first things that I did too, is I started messing with animations. Mm -hmm. um, how I made mm -hmm. my initial reputation was actually for writing the tutorial on how to make flipper animations because before I had written it down, the only way to really find out how to do that was to go literally beg people to mm -hmm. tell you how it's done. And a lot of cases, those people, cause they learned how to do it from Val. Val was the animator um, for the official flipper project. And occasionally she would show up in their discord and everybody would gather around and start asking all these questions. <laughs> uh, but nobody had formally written down the process for it. And even once I figured it out or once I was kind of taught how to do it from all the other people, um, I had some stuff wrong too. I had made some assumptions and some of the things that I was doing were incorrect. And I only found out until like later that like, Oh, okay, cool. So, you know, the, the tutorial was a, a living project. So we kept changing it, but yeah, it was, it's really interesting because there's so many things you can do on it. Um, then I started making the animations and then I realized that I didn't like the way the top bar looked because it was hiding too much of the screen. 
somebody had already figured out how to get rid of the there's a little ribbon cable that um sits on the top of the screen um on the flipper interface somebody already figured out how to get rid of that so i'm like well if you can get rid of that i want to get rid of the sd card icon and stuff so Mm -hmm. i spent a ton of time in the firmware um figuring out how to delete that because again i don't know c at all uh all i can do is look at code and try to understand it and modify it so i spent hours and hours and hours doing that and eventually i figured it out so it got me a little bit more comfortable working with um you know working with the firmware so i started making custom stuff to firmware as well so again it's just this little silly device it's uh, it's supposed to be some sort of cyber tech uh or cyber sec uh like epet um is yeah a great intro into whatever you want to do with it you know not only a gateway drug as far as hardware goes you've actually started writing some code and messing about in the sea at this point so it's it's broken you in entirely into the cybersecurity world yeah in general yeah well so again that's been really fun um and it's it just gives you a reason to kind of mess around with stuff yeah totally the uh I want to talk about firmwares in a second, but the one thing I wanted to talk about was uh, there's some criticism about this device that I've seen from other major YouTubers and stuff talking about how you could use a Raspberry Pi to do most of these things. But it just seems like, to me, that seems insane because starting with a blank Raspberry Pi and having to build all of these attachments and write all these apps yourself or find them and modify them and install them versus just getting this tiny little device and it already supporting so many different things, radio bands, NFC, so many things that you would have to figure out how to build a circuit board to add onto a Raspberry Pi just seems insane to me versus just paying 300 bucks and getting this thing. Yeah, and I mean, it's the right now, the, the official pricing, because they were always inflated in the aftermarket, but the official pricing in, in America is like 169 It was like 170 Yeah. And what's what's a Raspberry Pi going for now? The last one I bought was like seventy five dollars. <laughs> yeah, true. And then yeah, you have to write your own software. You have to add all the modules and stuff. And then you have this monstrosity uh-huh. that's just enormous that you have to like. I guess you're gonna try to use it at that point. <laughs> Obviously, you're not doing anything like pe- like um, actually red teaming with it because I mean you're gonna need a briefcase. It's it's, it just doesn't make any sense. So I, I do understand that. And honestly, I have been waiting for someone to do a good write-up of a DIY Flipper Zero, because I will absolutely make that, for mm-hmm. sure. Because that's just fun. I would totally do that. But especially to show what it takes to make a Flipper Zero. Yeah, totally. Uh, but obviously, all the coding and stuff for that is, is it's just all just crazy. So trying to actually do that seems like... A fool's errand, if anything, because I've heard a ton of people say they're going to do it. I'm going to make a cheaper Flipper Zero. I'm like, okay, cool. Where's your startup capital? Get ready. You're going to need some coders. Yeah, well, the, the I don't know. The idea of, of trying to rebuild, like I could see trying to make a better version of it, but I could never see the idea of trying to make a cheaper version of it. Like I don't find it particularly, for what you get, I don't find it particularly expensive. Like I've wasted, like I think we're in Canada, so I think this thing cost me like 260 bucks, which is you know, give or take a little bit of conversion and maybe a little bit of aftermarket pricing from distribution taxes or something, but essentially the same yeah. thing as what you pay. But like the, I couldn't imagine trying to build one of these things with this much functionality and this much extensibility for less and manu- and be able to manufacture and sell it at a profit and sustainable for cheaper than that. That seems wild to me. 
Yeah, one of the main reasons why trying to recreate this doesn't make sense is simply because Flipper is as much a community project as it is the actual devs. So it's got a year worth of all these really smart people putting in all this work trying to make this thing work correctly. And I think that's literally like one of the biggest selling points for this thing at this point. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All you want is to meet your security and compliance requirements. But your business technology keeps changing. Cyber threats emerge every day. More regulations apply to you now than ever before. And your IT resources remain limited. The Center for Internet Security can help. At CIS, we work to create a safer world for people, businesses, and governments through collaboration and innovation. Using a community-driven consensus process, we work with IT professionals and volunteers around the world to develop and maintain security best practices. These resources save you time, money, and effort wherever you are on your cybersecurity journey. We also work with U.S. state, local, tribal, and territorial government organizations to share information with one another so they're stronger together. Join us today in creating confidence in the connected world. Visit cisecurity.org to play your part. All you want is to meet your security and compliance requirements. But your business technology keeps changing. Cyber threats emerge every day. More regulations apply to you now than ever before. And your IT resources remain limited. The Center for Internet Security can help. At CIS, we work to create a safer world for people, businesses, and governments through collaboration and innovation. Using a community-driven consensus process, we work with IT professionals and volunteers around the world to develop and maintain security best practices. These resources save you time, money, and effort wherever you are on your cybersecurity journey. We also work with U.S. state, local, tribal, and territorial government organizations to share information with one another so they're stronger together. Join us today in creating confidence in the connected world. Visit cisecurity.org to play your part. You said something kind of similar in one of your videos I watched. It was like, you said something to the effect of without the community, the flipper zero is nothing. So for, I guess, someone like me who doesn't own one of these things yet, but is sort of up to speed on what it can do, where's that line between what it can really do out of the box, the sort of like manufacturer intended uses and what the community has empowered it to do? Like a broad overview of what it can do and what people have figured out it can do. Sure. So the... Basically, the uh, the bare model flipper, especially in the earlier times, obviously, they have frequencies and things that are locked out for different places. And honestly, most people don't really need to use those frequencies, but that's one of the things that the custom firmwares do. But beyond that, most of the good applications are written by the community. Obviously, the frequency analyzers and some of the IR functions like the those are those are things that were built by the original devs. But 
all of the additional hardware and functionality um, has been from the community. So hmm. you've got a lot of stuff like, again, using uh, the the Wi-Fi board that comes with it or that you can buy with it, that's set up with a firmware called Blackmagic. What that's for is it's a it's a log viewer. It's a debug viewer. So you can wirelessly read the logs from Flipper. Um, that's what it was more or less designed to do. What the community ended up doing was installing Just Call Me Coco's Wi-Fi Marauder on it. Now you can test Wi-Fi devices. So you can deauthenticate mm. Wi-Fi devices. You can uh, record their handshakes. So you can try to decrypt passwords and things like that so a lot more functionality you've also got people like rabbit lab out there and awok making all sorts of boards so again we've got the nrf board which i mentioned before for trying to intercept um wireless keyboards and mice uh you've got a number of different uh, cc1101 is a is basically the chipset that they use um to get sub gigahertz frequencies and basically the community has made ones of those that work for 10 times further than what it currently works on without mm. it. Uh, so mm. they really added to the functionality, to the base functionality through all of these, you know, community projects. And it's just really cool to see. So the sub, sub gigahertz frequencies, uh, what are they typically used in, do you know? So, I mean, the, um, they're normally 433 and 900, I believe. Okay. And they're used in what, like ID pass cards and stuff, right? Is that those? Well, so those, those no, so that, the ID pass cards are, yeah, those are going to be RFID or those are going to be NFC, both mm -hmm. of which the flipper can definitely handle. And the, um, yeah, the, uh, the wireless stuff is, um, anything from older car keys. Well, granted you can read a car key. It's no problem. You just can't use it on most common, most current keys. Mm -hmm. Um, cause they use rolling codes and which basically yeah. just means they have a, a sequential list of codes that it will use based on an algorithm and without knowing the algorithm, you don't know the next code, so you can't use it. But yeah. um, that's what the, the CC1101 sub gigahertz stuff does. Same with um, I using the control lights and stuff and little other stuff like that. Um, and then, yeah, it does NFC, so it can read uh, a lot of MyFair keys. Um, you can decrypt if you have enough of the, uh, the, 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 se the segment, sorry. And... Yeah, you can you can emulate a lot of sub uh, uh, RFID stuffs are pretty easy to copy. So anything that's relatively low security, you can pretty much copy too. And then you can get some data off of credit cards, which was a bit of a problem because <laughs> that's why they got kicked off of Amazon because Amazon saw that as being able to skim credit cards, which it definitely does not do. Yeah. Huh. So like in the old you know hacker movies and movies that have some cybersecurity professional. And somebody steals somebody's like hotel key room card. These things, like the, when I first got it, I was looking through all the little sections. I, I updated to the newest firmware and stuff, went through some of the apps and, and it, it's as easy as like hitting read, tapping the card and then hitting emulate and then tapping the, like the, the hotel room door and boom, it opens. Yeah, and that will work on some uh, some systems. It won't mm -hmm. on some other ones. It depends on the libraries and the dictionaries that you have. Of course. But, yeah, I mean, it's literally, in a lot of cases, that easy. Let's chat about the firmware world, because that was one thing, like, when I got this thing, I was like, what do I do with it? I didn't even buy an SD card, because I didn't realize it needed one. I did that, too. <laughs> I, I am that guy as well, so don't feel too bad. <laughs> the the I got it, and then I was, like, looking around at it, and then I, I see some of your videos, and I see some other content about them, and I was like, man, they, 
seems like mine's missing a bunch of stuff. And then I started looking into it and there's a bunch of different major firmware manufacturers. You want to like maybe as somebody that's been a part of that community, just give me a rundown or give us a rundown of like, you know. So, yeah, I can do that. Basically, I'll do a quick little story time in case we want to know. I like that. I like story time. And I'm pretty sure this is pretty accurate. Um, Not 100% on everything because, again, this is all like spoken word history, but um, hopefully my memory is, is good enough for this. Um, so yeah, basically in the beginning, it was just the normal firmware. Um, and then, uh, there was, uh, nano and uh, engineer. I want to say there were two guys that were working on the firmware earlier on. Then, um, it ended up just being nano for one reason or another. We won't get into. And then, yeah, basically unleashed was born at that point in time. The fact that they unlocked the frequency regular, the fre- frequency blocks for certain countries was relatively frowned on upon in the um, in the official firmware land. So sure. most of those guys got kind of exiled for lack of a better term. Um, so that kind of branched off. So now we have unleashed firmware, and then Rogue Master came along. And basically what Rogue Master was doing was taking the unleashed firmware, adding things like animations, um, which was one of the things that got me into um, into Rogue Master firmware anyway, because I like animations and stuff like that. Um, I have like a touch of the ADHD and things that are moving around kind of you know make me happy. <laughs> but yeah, so that was one of the things that I liked about it. And then he would also go through and scrub pretty much any application that he could find for the uh, for Flipper, and he would add it to the firmware like right away. So that app had or that would have basically the newest everything on it all the time. Yeah. One of the downsides to that was some of these apps didn't work super well yet, because um, again, this is we're all doing all the bleeding edge technology or technology, but bleeding edge uh, uh, software. So sometimes those things wouldn't work, and you end up with stuff that crashed but i mean again if you want the latest and greatest sometimes you run into issues with compatibility um so that's where rogue master kind of came from and then extreme popped up with clara um she started working on a firmware i want to say it was december of last year um as kind of an aesthetic pack on top of rogue master um and that was more or less the idea. Started optimizing some of the codes there. Um, at some point, decided to uh, reset and basically rebuild that firmware based off of official uh, firmware. So it's no mm-hmm. longer a fork. So, and then they started working on more stuff there. Um, Willie showed up, and Willie is their like main dev now there too. And really started doing some new stuff. Willie's very good at um, C and coding for Flipper in particular. So that at that point, um, Extreme really started doing a lot of really unique things. Um, so all the most of the newest stuff out there has been really pushed and, and helped out by uh, uh, Willie and Extreme, uh, the firmware. So... They've done a lot of good stuff over there. So right now, um, most of the extreme firmware is that's they've got most of the newest stuff out there because people are reaching out to the XFW devs whenever they have a new project or something, and they're actually being very active with the community in adding support for. Mm 
different add-on modules and stuff like that. So it's really been cool because, yeah, you can make something like Rabbit Labs will make a uh, an antenna and make sh- like reach out to uh, XFW and be like, hey, can you make sure this is going to work well on your firmware? And they'll add a function to it. Like um, the ability to actually plug in external IR had to be built into the firmware because obviously it didn't exist because there was no real reason to do it. But because of that, now we have the ability to plug in IR boards that have seven or 12 or whatever LEDs on it. So it's a lot more functionality, but that had to be built into the firmware. And the fact that, you know, people could just go out and ask Willie if they could, you know, try to get it put into the firmware. uh, It was pretty cool. Mm. So those are the main, the main three firmwares right now. Wait, main three custom firmwares. There were some earlier things that were kind of abandoned where, but like, yeah, that's pretty much where things are at at the moment. So as uh, when I got it, obviously as an extreme person, I put on the extreme firmware. Was that was that a, <laughs> the right move? <laughs> um, there are no wrong moves. Honestly, I tell everybody to try what you know, try everything out. Um, they all have their pluses and minuses, absolutely, and they all have different kind of artistic directions as far as what they're made for. Uh-huh. Um. Like Unleashed is a little bit less, it's a little trimmed down um, for for a reason. Like they don't include as many things because they really, the idea for Extreme was to include functionality, but let people decide what apps and files and stuff they wanted. Mm. Um, where like Rogue Master was just like, I want everything on it. I want to just, everything that's available, I want to put in my firmware. Mm-hmm. And Extreme decided they wanted to redo everything. So they kind of just made their own stuff. Like they redid the entire UI. They added their own um, settings and things like that. They were the ones that finally figured out how to change themes and stuff, which is something that I had wanted to do for a while. But again, I'm not a, a coder, so that was way outside of my my realm of influence. But <laughs> they did a lot of really cool stuff that um, I had always wanted to see implemented. So I was always impressed by that. As as uh, as somebody who hasn't spent much time playing with it or using it or looked into building anything for it or even shoved any boards or modules in the GPIO. The one thing in the extreme firmware that I got to say I loved was the ability to turn it off easier. Instead of having to go through the menus and find the power off switch, you could just tap on the back button until it prompted you to turn off. And that as a basic user meant a lot to me. And I was like, wow, this is great. So here's a funny thing, and this is something that catches people off guard, uh, off guard all the time, and it did the same thing for me. That function is in the official firmware. However, you have to hold it for a very, very, <laughs> very long time to the point where you're like, is this working? Um, so it, it does do that in the official firmware. They just cut the time down to like two seconds or one yeah, second. Yeah, yeah. I, I did not because I when I first got it and I had the default firmware, I tried and I was like, you got to be able just to hold this button down. And I held it for a long time and it never prompted me to turn off. And then I was like, oh my God, do I actually have to go into the menu and go to the power, turn it off through there? And so that that is funny that it did exist. It just was a user experience problem rather than a, a code issue. Yeah. And it. I always thought, I'm like, why do you have to hold it so long? This is weird. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Like, I, I, it's good to know some of the background of this thing as 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 it, it definitely, like I, I recently flew somewhere and I didn't want to take it. You know, I'm kind of afraid of it in a small way. I'm like, is this going to emit problematic radio transmissions and I don't want to have it on an airplane? Will I get stopped at customs for having this thing? Like, what is, 
what is the liability that I've now taken on by owning this thing and carrying it around <laughs> with me? And for the most part, it won't be an issue. Don't go to Brazil. Um, I think that's probably the one, the one caveat. But yeah, for the most part, it's really not a big deal. Um, people travel with these all the time. Granted, yeah, because we had a bunch of everybody went to DefCon, so totally. um, a bunch of flippers. So they, they all made it. Cool. Well, I think we're we're going to be at DefCon next year. So hopefully, we'll see you there. Yeah, I'm 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 wanting to go, and I've already kind of mentioned to my employer and stuff that I'll probably be doing that. Um, so yeah, I, I very much hope to go next year. Let's uh, let's chat about some of the modules that go on this thing because it seems like there's a lot of them, and it seems like there's a lot that kind of do the same thing. I've see, looked at some of the ones from AWOC, is that right? Yep, AWOC. And some of them seem as impressive as the Flipper Zero itself, literally. Like I look at some of these modules and I'm like, oh my god, somebody like massive OLED screen, bunch of like external antenna arrays. Like they're yep. they, they seem really comprehensive. So like what what have you found to be some of the best modules? Actually, I'm going to reframe that question and say, what should I buy to play more with this thing? <laughs> okay, because that's really what I'm asking. It's it's a pre, it's pretty easy. So first things first, doesn't matter where you get it from. Buy a um, a Wi-Fi board. You can get I, the official one. That's fine. Or you can get one from literally almost anyone. A walks a, a good friend of mine. Um, and yeah, get an external Wi-Fi board. That's really, really cool. Um, beyond that, the external CC1101s are very cool because it extends the range that Flipper has like by a lot. So you can, you know, you can, you can access things that are much, much further away. And it's a lot, this makes it a lot easier to, um, you know, to actually do the things you want to do. And the CC1101 is used for what exactly is that sub gigahertz yeah it's a sub gigahertz range extender okay um so what you're referring to is actually a really interesting thing you're looking at the dual esp32 touchscreen um that's a very cool project for a number of reasons and it's a, a project that i when he first sent me the pictures of this thing i was like oh man this is what always what i wanted this to be um the original design of this or the original one i actually made um i wanted to do a because i put the touch screen on a um a combo board so i had a touch screen esp32 and then i had a nrf24 on that so kind of the earlier version of the dual esp and then my next one that i made which was my yeti board um which was actually a pcb project i worked on with uh, a guy named i am orion and what that was, it actually had two ESP32s on it, one of which was running the screen. So you could run um, Just Call Me Coco's Wi-Fi Marauder because the software, the firmware that actually runs the 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 Wi-Fi card, you know, the Flipper Wi-Fi card, um, that's the same one that Coco uses in his ESP32 Marauder um, standalone setups. So he actually has a device, which is for Wi-Fi penetration testing, and it's a standalone device, and it's got its own firmware. The ESP32 runs the screen. So when I realized that, I was like, all right, cool, I put that onto one of my boards. But what I really wanted to do was I wanted to have two ESP32s, one that was on its own and one that was run by the flipper. 
the idea was basically you used the flipper to do a deauth or a deauthentication attack against a Wi-Fi device. So that's going to kick that wi- uh, that device off of the Wi-Fi, and then use the standalone to get the PCAP files, the handshake files, for when it reconnects. So you're kind of doing two halves of the same attack, where you are, you know. Uh, both kicking something off of a network and trying to capture when they try to reconnect. So that's why this board, um, the, my why I made my board. And then uh, Awok saw that and he's like, okay, that's a cool idea. And so he made the one that he has as basically what I wanted to do, just done by somebody who's better at it. <laughs> so yeah, that's what the dual ESP32 that he created was, was a, pretty much the same idea as the one that I did just executed much better. So the, just, uh, just for, you know, explanation's sake, ESP32 are Wi-Fi chips, correct? Basically it's a Wi-Fi board and some of them have Bluetooth. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then something you mentioned a few times that I'm not fully up on and don't fully understand what it is. And I doubt Jordan does the Wi-Fi no. Marauder. <laughs> what exactly <laughs> is the Wi-Fi Marauder? The ESP32 Marauder is an entire you know program set. And what that does is it can do deauthentication attacks. It can scan Wi-Fi networks. It can capture handshakes. Uh, it basically can send and receive Wi-Fi stuff. Sure. And you can just basically figure out what you want to do with the information that you're sending or, or receiving. Can it sniff? Like, can it sniff oh, yeah. on like uh, unencrypted network traffic? Um, so yes and no, I don't think you're getting, um, as much data as you would like on like Wireshark or anything, Yeah, but it's, you can sniff a decent amount of stuff. Um, and you can just sniff raw and just see what you get. So yeah, you, you can do a decent amount of stuff with it. So the uh, let's just talk about the PCAP stuff for a sec because I I know what it is, but but some other people might not. So the deauth. Let's just start with deauth. So when you deauth attack something, you're essentially punting it from a Wi-Fi network, correct? Yeah. So deauthentication attack is very politely asking a device to get off the network. Yeah. And then PCAPs. So when you reconnect to a Wi-Fi network. Essentially, your computer and the network have a little negotiation and pass a bunch of keys back and forth that agree that they should that this device should go on the network, and that's called the authentication process, which is what the PCAP files represent. Correct? Yeah. Yep. Perfect. Okay. And you can take those PCAP files, and through a, <laughs> a different process, you can actually dictionary attack or brute force the Wi-Fi password. Correct? Yeah. You can use. Um... Well, there's a bunch of things, but I think we use Hashcat for that usually. Yeah, perfect. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I was fully aware of, of kind of what the Wi-Fi Marauder toolbox does. Because you've mentioned yep. it a number of times, and I know that there's a lot of boards that I see and a lot of extensions, even some standalones from uh, Coco that run it. And I just wanted to make sure I knew what it was before I, I got one of these beautiful things and plugged it into this thing and figured out you know what kind of devious things I can get up to. Yeah, so that's basically what Just Call Me Coco does is the um is the the Wi-Fi Marauder stuff. Nice. Their devices and as well as uh AWOX devices both seem really, really nice. The Rabbit, what was the yeah. Rabbit one you mentioned? So yeah, Rabbit Labs. Check out Rabbit Labs. I find them I like every search I make for these things, I always end up on some website that I'd never known to exist called Tindy. <laughs> I think it's called Tindy. Is that right? Yeah, so he's 
Yep, it's uh, tindy.com slash stories slash T-E-H-Rabbit with two T's and uh, two B's. So the, because uh, I think Rabbit makes a lot of the infrared, the IR booster boards, right? That's Rabbit. Rabbit makes um, the IR booster boards. He was the first one to do them. Um, he's got a really good IR. He's got two of them, really. He's got the Mastoblasta, which is, uh, I believe, 12 LEDs. So it's really strong. It has a lot of, uh, lot of range there. And the first one he made was the Death Star IR Blaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that's really cool about Rabbit Labs, and again, all these guys have their own specific style. And it's all very different. It's kind of interesting when you look at it. Um, and basically, Rabbit Labs does a lot of really cool sc- uh, screen printing and things like that. And he's just his stuff has a different vibe to it than everybody else's. And then Awok, again, he does like it's hard to explain without showing the different things that people are making <laughs> yeah, because yeah. they're they're but they have a very distinctive style. Um, Awok's a musician and a graphic artist, and it really comes through in his electronics in a lot of ways. Totally. Um, and then mm-hmm. rabbit is just a, a hardware dude. So um, he just makes really good, complicated stuff um, and then puts fun screen printing and stuff on it. And everything's got like, a little bit of a personality. He's got a coming out a, a minion ESP 32 board, which looks like one of the minions <laughs> and it's just, there's little things. Yeah. He's got a, 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 a minion Marauder and it's just cool. It's just, he makes cool stuff. All these guys make really cool stuff. Cause the, the death star is an IR blaster, right? And it's kind of like, yeah. It's, yep. It's got like a, I've seen a, a video of it. It's got like a glowing light like as the Death Star cannon when it's powered up and stuff. It's just like a cool, they are very, very cool little, little things. Oh, so yeah, like it's, it's just a, it's a great way of marketing too, if you think about it, because I mean, obviously it looks cool. So people are going to look at it and they're going to want it. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. The AWOC stuff, the, I've been waiting for something to come back in stock. It seems like he sells out pretty fast or they sell out pretty fast. The, uh, I would love to order some some of their their products, and I'd love to get one of their t shirts. I love their kind of they very kind of graffiti artisty DJ. Yeah, no, his t shirts are awesome. Yeah, and he he makes those too. He sells out extremely fast, and yeah. people don't realize that these shops are people. Um, like Rabbit Labs, just call me Coco. Awok, they're just people, mm-hmm. and they have jobs and families and stuff like that. So they can't mass produce a hundred of something mm-hmm. like, well, actually rabbit does Rab- rabbits. Um, that dude's a beast. He makes a lot of stuff, <laughs> um, but it's also because he, because of the things that he does is set up to do things like that. Like he can batch surface mount stuff in an, an oven. Like he can do that. Um, most people can't, he's got a part picker. Like he's got stuff that nobody has because, sure. It's prohibitively expensive if you're doing something like this. A lot of the modules you buy are literally just raw circuit boards. And it seems like most people then 3D print custom cases for them. And you can even download the print files from the the circuit board makers often. Like, here's the case if you want to make print your own case. the uh, It seems like an ecosystem just ripe for gadgety people. You know, like, hey, there's a cool gadget here. This gadget also requires you to get other gadgets that then require you to get a 3D printer to print new gadgets. It just seems like a, a gadget ecosystem. And I'm not opposed to it. I like gadgets. I'm a big gadget guy. So, 
Well, no, you're absolutely right. And again, this is where one of the things that happened because of basically these cases, um, that's kind of when I started doing some of the 3D printing stuff I was doing. I picked up an Ender 3 uh, back in like February or something because A, I wanted to mess around with 3D printing and B, it was a cool backdrop item. I would have it printing what I was filming. <laughs> I just do thought it. that was cool. Do it all for the content. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, I bought a printer and I spent some time modding it and messing it around with that. So I kept printing more and more, learning more and more about 3D printing and, and um, you know, putting designs on stuff. And so I'd keep posting stuff like that. Well, the interesting thing about that was that's how I actually got um, asked by Dead Mouse to make him a case. Oh, so, cool. yeah, Sick. yeah, because he had posted a picture of his flipper with a Wi-Fi board plugged into it like a couple weeks ago. And I just random somebody's like, oh, look, hey, Dead Mouse got a uh, he's got a flipper. So I'm like, oh, screw. I got to put a, a comment on there. So I commented on there like, hey, man, if you ever need like any flipper stuff, he's like, yeah, I've, I've heard about you. I've heard good things. And I was like, holy crap. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So then he DMs me and he's asking if I could make him a case for it. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But like, yeah, it's the weirdest thing. Like one random email because I started a YouTube channel about Flipper Zero and now I'm printing a case for Dead Mouse, which I think it got delivered today. Um, so yeah, it's just it's just really weird. But again, it just goes to show like this is another one of those situations that Flipper Zero and just the little weird things that you run into along the along the way, like you'd really never know what that butterfly effect is gonna is gonna have so the so this tiny little device that you probably kickstarted i'm assuming no i didn't you didn't i didn't kickstart it no <laughs> i was i was so lucky i randomly i don't know if i ran into an ad or what but i i know that they were really hard to get and i didn't really know much about them randomly saw an ad about it and i saw they were in stock i'm like screw it i'm gonna buy it whatever i don't buy <laughs> things for myself very often anyway so I'll, I'll go buy it whatever i don't care yeah so you bought this thing then you started designing circuitry and soldering circuit boards then you started writing c and now you're like hanging out with dead mouse so that is your flipper zero story arc I'm not hanging out per se, but I've definitely I've talked to him a bunch of times. He's, he's actually he's a really cool guy. It's really weird. I've met a bunch of people. I actually just ran into um, Zero Day yesterday, um, and super cool guy too. Um, is just all these people that like actually know who I am because of this YouTube channel and the YouTube channel really was. I was almost bullied into doing it anyway, which I thought was interesting. Because originally, the only reason why I started doing this was um, if you've if you've done much digging into um, like all the files and stuff, you may have run in or heard of Uber Guidos. He was like the most well known dude possible in Flipper World. Mm -hmm. um, so, and he was around in some of the discords and stuff, but he had seen. Um, my tutorial for making animations and he's like, Hey, you, you do a pretty good job of, um, of writing down tutorials and stuff like that. Uh, I've got a project I'm involved in with lab 401 and we're making tutorial videos on how to use some of these devices. I'd be glad, or really happy to have you, you know, join that. Yeah. Um, so that's where I got into making a video for lab 401. Um, 
And I, at that point after that, I decided to start making my own stuff. But yeah, basically Uber was like, Hey, you, you want to do this? And he was again, the <laughs> coolest guy I knew at the time. So I'm like, all right, sure. Yeah, no problem. And, and yeah, it was because of him. I even started doing any of this stuff. See, now, now I just feel bad for Uber because he was the coolest guy you knew at the time. But now you're hanging out with dead mouse and you're like, yeah, Uber's, <laughs> Uber's just a regular guy now. Uber's a busy dude. I'm friends with him on uh, like actual Facebook. And yeah, he's a busy dude. He's got a lot of stuff going on. So where do you think this thing's going to go next? You know, are there any any projects that you're aware of, any new functionality that you think people are building for it? Do you think it's just going to be kind of, is there anybody out there that's really like taking it to the next level? Like, is there something we should watch out for? Or like, you know, what do you, where, where does it go now? That's a really good question, honestly. So I do know that there's a new piece of hardware coming out called the Flipper Nano. Um, and that is a basically a flipper with less internal functionality and two rows of GPIO. So you have twice the output. Mm. Um, oh, I guess input output. So there will definitely be a bit of a paradigm shift whenever that goes. Um who knows if that will be this coming year, the year after that? Who knows? Their timeframes for Flipper stuff is you don't want to mess with them. You never know. Mm-hmm. But that's a project coming out. But the again, the crazy thing about and this is every every kind of field or every whatever genre of stuff. But someone will just show up and be a game changer. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll just out of nowhere roll up and do something nobody thought was possible. And it just unlocks just so much potential. Like it just it, everything all of a sudden happens. The one other thing that I've been wondering about this device is, you know, is there a dark web, some private discords, places like that where you can hmm. get more? How should I put this? Aggressive applications, like the <laughs> <laughs> like stealing a car keys rolling key code is very plausible. There's devices that do it already. It's actually not that hard. And the flipper probably has most of the functionality or could be extended to have the functionality to do it. Is Are there places where people build apps that are a little bit less and build and share apps that are a little bit less publicly accepted? <laughs> so absolutely. Um now, I'm not aware of any like specific place. I'm also not the best person to tell about stuff like that. Sure. Not that I'm going to like make a video on it immediately, but being a little bit more higher profile person, I don't really, you know, I, I don't get um, invitations to the dark web as often as I used <laughs> to, you know, but. Um, so there are people that write scripts. Like I have scripts right now that I won't give out um like i have a flipper zero ransomware script and i have a uh-huh. keylogger script um so there's a bunch of stuff that i am aware of and it's things that i have because i've used them for videos before but um are there places out there that you know are writing codes for stuff maybe mm. um like because i know that um that zero day had mentioned on an interview he'd done that he, he was doing some things on his flipper that um at the time weren't really being done yet uh-huh. but honestly since then we've realized that i mean they do we, the, those scripts have been written so whether or not he had those early or um you know wrote them himself or whatever but you know it, it did imply that some people had things that other people didn't uh-huh. um it's just like i have some things that other people don't of course. Um, and other people have things that i don't 
Well, the uh, as an appeal to the community, if you're a member of a community or Discord that uh, builds flipper scripts that maybe aren't public, fire me a DM. Just hit me up. I'd be I'd be intrigued. I'd be I'd be intrigued to know what else is going on under the covers because I because when I got this thing and when I realized what it was, like I I thought it was a tool and then I realized it was a platform. I was like, oh. There's a bunch of built-in functions already, but then you have the ability to extend it. And then you have the ability to essentially custom develop whatever you'd like for it. What's cool about that idea too is seeing it as a platform because also you have an incredibly powerful computer in your pocket already uh-huh. that can communicate with Flipper. So as far as, yeah, figuring out the algorithm, um, your phone could probably do that pretty quick. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I'm intrigued. I mean, yeah, no, I'm just intrigued to see... I'm intrigued to know what you don't find on YouTube about this thing. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. I 100% agree. And I do I look for it. I look for that stuff, too. Obviously, on Reddit and all sorts of other places. I'm constantly looking for, for new stuff. Again, being who I am, it's a little bit easier because people reach out to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So someone will just hit me up on in DMs be like, yo, I made a payload encryptor or something like that. I'm like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> and that's how I met. That's literally how I met Red, um, who was the guy who wrote the ransomware and keylogger. And hmm. um, yeah, he's just like, hey, I made this one thing. And then he was like, hey, you, do you know anybody who has this? And I'm like, nah, I don't know anybody who has this. And he's like, well, I do. I'm like, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do. I like that. Sounds like Red's a guy that I'd like to meet. Yeah, this is uh, it's a very interesting little device. I'm intrigued to, to I should say, play with it, but I would say educate myself more on its functionality and what can be done and how I can extend it or it can be extended to do different things because it's coming from the software world. You know, I'm familiar with all kinds of software vulnerabilities and code problems and things like that, but I've never really been into the hardware side and this has definitely piqued my interest. You know, I've... Aside from emulating circuit designs that have been given to me to make, you know, musical instruments often, um, I've never really built anything. And now I have this desire to build a board and I'm not sure what I want it to do yet. So, yeah. And I mean, you can do pretty much, you can do a lot of stuff. And if you're a code guy, definitely check out Code All Night. Um, Really, really cool guy named Derek Jameson. Um, He is a phenomenal coder. I think he used to work for Microsoft. Don't quote me on that, but. really really ridiculously like painfully smart dude um and yeah he he writes code and apps and stuff like that so if you're interested in software side um and possibly coding stuff he's he's a great resource for that as well i'm curious as like a as a content creator you know i watched your video on the ransomware uh stuff that it can do i watch your stuff on hacking wi-fi passwords in the ransomware episode, you there's this really interesting moment where you you blur blur the payload essentially, and you flat out say, "I'm doing this so that like a teenager doesn't get themselves arrested." Um, and as like a fellow content creator that makes stuff about cybersecurity, <laughs> uh, like how do you navigate that line between not wanting to empower a person to maybe mess their life up, but wanting to put this information out there and wanting to share it with curious, interested people and wanting to push the community forward. How do you balance those two things? It's tricky um, because obviously doing things like de-authing Wi-Fi cameras, 
um, which was literally the first thing I ever published. It wasn't a picture of an animation. My very right. first TikTok, because I tried to start TikTok as a platform, which is a silly thing to do. Um, <laughs> but my first video was literally showing me disabling my video cam, my surveillance cameras. Um, and uh. yeah, trying to figure out where the tipping point is. Now, hacking Wi-Fi stuff that's really, really easy information to find. Sure. Um, so with five seconds worth of work, you can find somewhere else to get that information. So if I'm another person doing a video on how to do it, who cares, right? Right. So where I draw the line is handing someone a weapon. Um, and hmm. that's kind of the way I saw that video. And especially with bad USB, now, for if anybody doesn't know what bad USB is, um, Flipper has the functionality effectively of like a rubber ducky. So what it will do is you plug in your Flipper to a computer and you can run a script through PowerShell or whatever. You can basically use it as a keyboard um, and you can do code injection. So what that means is if I plug my Flipper into something, I can run a code that you know is on my Flipper. The problem with that is it's very, very easy to do. Uh-huh. And when things are too easy to do, people do them without knowing <laughs> why they're doing them or what might happen. So as sure. an example, I've seen a bunch of examples, one of which was um, somebody almost got auto banned in my discord by the bot because they ran a script that typed in every single line from a B movie um, sequentially. <laughs> every like half second. So they got <laughs> flood spam, then they got kicked for it. But Flipper Zero can be used to, you know, infect your computer with, with ransomware. And, um, you know, just things to be aware of. Like, yeah, these things do exist. And since I have an audience that, you know, watches things about bad USB and stuff, it's a good idea to at least spread some awareness about that. And I did, mm. I thought it was kind of a cool thing, but again, I'm not going to hand somebody the tool to completely screw up somebody's computer. Sure. That makes sense. I guess minor point of clarification. When you say that person in your discord posted B movie quotes, are you saying they posted quotes from a low-budget film or from the 2007 animated comedy B-movie starring Jerry Seinfeld? It was, in fact, the 2000s-era <laughs> B-movie with, yeah, with Jerry Seinfeld, in fact, yes. Sure, where he plays a bee trying to sue humanity for how they've treated bees. I'm familiar. Exactly. Uh, I just wanted to confirm that. <laughs> yes, yes. Every single line of that movie, in order, yeah, posted in Discord. And yeah, that was, that was, it was fun. And I think the person that did that, they were actually in voice chat at the time, and you could actively hear them freaking out, which was very funny. Sure. Oh, that's great. I mean, yeah. that, that kind of tangentially connects to my, the one other big question I had, which is like kind of to do with internet clout and Flipper Zero. Um, I watched some of your I watched Flipper Zero TikToks, so you don't have to videos. Quality content, uh, just to Thank pass you. on my compliments. Um, but so many of those are about taking this device that can do a ton of stuff. It functions as a platform to do even more stuff. And a lot of the TikTok content is about lying about what it can do, which I found interesting. It's about like, watch me tap a credit card on it and boom, I have the credit card and can use it. It's like, well, for all the things it can do, you managed to find a couple things it didn't and are now lying about it on TikTok. Why do you think it became the like, I don't know, like center of a little bit of an internet clout trend um, where in a way that hacking devices really haven't done before? 
it was very interesting seeing how that was. And actually, I specifically picked a lot of the videos in the TikTok one that were real. Like some of the things that I showed off were real. Um, mm. uh, I featured a couple with, I, I, again, I am Jacoby and Taco Cat, I believe. Um, so some of those things were real. But especially in the beginning, and the beginning was bad. It was really bad, honestly. Um, they showed some really sketchy things. One of the videos that I couldn't find that I wanted to feature in that video because I thought I really needed to talk about it. But basically, some dude with a Flipper Zero um, effectively tries to show that he's stealing a card from somebody and then following them into a building. Um and you can kind of do that, but the way he was doing it wasn't working at all. And he was right. just like pushed it past the bag. And but what was going on is people love sensationalism. Um, they want to think that this is a sonic screwdriver, and <laughs> they literally like so when they see something like that, they immediately believe it because it's the internet and everything on the internet must be real. I don't know why people believe anything on the internet, but. Uh, yeah, so they, that that kind of stuff went viral, and that's what people started thinking they were getting when they bought flippers. So mm. I actually kind of cashed in on that idea because if I'm doing tutorials and somebody bought one of these specifically trying to do this, then maybe they'll find my channel and watch my stuff. But the flip side of that is why I made an entire video and actually spent sure. a good amount of time with... Um, a uh, guy named Betsy, who's a pretty well-known guy was like, as far as NFC goes. Um, he spent a lot of time like explaining how NFC and stuff works. But that's why I made a video specifically said why Flipper Zero can't steal your credit cards. Because that was one of the most common things that I had seen where people showing how they could use their flipper to steal credit cards. And it's just, it, you can't do it. It can't be done. Um, at least not with a any like normal style credit card. Sure. Uh, but yeah, there's all, there was all an awful lot of that. And I mean, it was, it was, it was, you know, getting clicks, it was getting views. Um, I had never, ever gotten anywhere near any of those like, you know, million view videos, even showing like the deauthic Wi-Fi cameras. And that was real. I really did that. Um, mm. but it never really had the same appeal as somebody, you know, fake using a credit card or faking using it to access something that you definitely couldn't. But yeah, those, those videos went crazy, especially earlier on. Clout chasing with flipper zeros on TikTok. <laughs> it's a, a new sentence. My last question has to do with something you said earlier. Um, we were talking about, you know, feeling safe, taking this thing and traveling with it. And you brought up DEF CON, which is basically thousands of these things converging on one city. So it's obviously okay, but you made reference to Brazil. You said, I probably wouldn't take it to Brazil. So I'm curious what happened in Brazil and broadly, do you think there's going to be, I don't know, more of a legal response to this thing as it becomes more famous, and more popular on the internet and people construe and misconstrue what it can do. Do you think there will be more legal fallout essentially? So I think at this point, at least for most places, it's we're pretty much over it. Um, mm. Basically, flipper devices are not certified in Brazil. They're not allowed in Brazil. Um, huh. Yeah, and probably mostly from, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to speculate and say auto theft. Um, uh -huh. Because now this is a very valid point, and somebody had pointed out before, because um, I want to say Hakista um, YouTube channel, I believe he's out of the Philippines, but... Uh, he pointed out that where he was located, a lot of vehicles have aftermarket um, keyless entry. 
Um, the aftermarket ones, a lot of them don't use rolling codes. So you actually can access cards with those. So huh. um, certain places got a little bit, you know, concerned about it. Um, and I mean, again, even Amazon blocked the sales of them because they thought they were credit card skimmers, which is the one thing it can't do. Um, <laughs> well, it can't do a lot of things, but it's one of the things it can't do. Sure. So again, super interesting. And, um, yeah, it's, I don't see it getting banned anywhere else at this point, because again, it's not that damage is done, but at this point you can pretty much figure out what it does and doesn't do. I mean, hell, if you're an entire country, you have the time to watch my videos. Just just find out what it does first. <laughs> watch Talking Sasquatch before you pass any legislation. Yeah, just just, just give me a few views. You can skip the ads. Sure. It's fine. It's just, fine. Sure. Just drop a DM. Work for us. Yeah. Work for us. Yeah, exactly. Work for, work for Dead Mouse. Work for us. Hit him up. Thank you for uh, sitting down and chat with us. I think that's everything I wanted to ask about. Scott, you got anything else? No, no. I think I think the the first hour of intense <laughs> tech chatter was uh, was mostly what I was looking for. So I think I'm good. And definitely, thanks for having me. It's been fun. Like, I, so I uh, apologize. This is my first actual like long form podcast. Oh no, uh, it's. It's been, it's every time I've done things like this, it's been tricky. Like I did a video with David Bomble and we actually, I recorded more videos. Um, but that was like three hours of doing things live. I'm not used to working live. So, uh, and I do a decent amount of, of post-production. Um, so it's again, first time being actually on a podcast it's, but it's been fun. Um, it's just that something I've, I've, I've done before. So I'm getting used to the format. No, no. Well, you crushed it. Yeah. We appreciate having you. Five stars. Five stars for talking Sasquatch. <laughs> Much appreciate you guys. Hey, man. Well, thanks again for coming on, and uh, maybe we'll talk again in the future. <laughs>